contest is scheduled for one fall with a 20-minute time limit. That was simply... Simply... Impressive. It was impressive. You know, you, you call yourself the perfect 10. But for me, I mean, you're not quite a 10 yet. I mean, I see a lot of potential in you. I think with the proper guidance... Okay, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so calm down. Calm down. Look, Bobby Roode, who are you telling to calm down? This is the 20-Minute Time Limit Podcast. I'm Chris Morrison, your sports entertainment analyst, and I will not be told to calm down, especially... After what has just transpired within the first 10 minutes of NXT, we have not only do we have the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, me and Matty Hayes, have the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, gracing our television screens, but then you add in Bobby Roode, and you're telling us that you have formed a team, Bobby Roode, Ty Dillinger, perfectly glorious. The Glorious Ten, whatever you want to call them. These two guys are going to team up in the Dusty Rhodes Memorial Tag Team Tournament. Are you kidding me right now with this? This is absolutely mind-blasting, groundbreaking. These guys are the odds-on favorite to win this thing. Hands down, right now, you guys know my pick. I don't even care who else is in this tournament I don't care if the Revival's in this tournament. I don't care if Nakamura's in this tournament. It could be Nakamura and Finn Balor. It doesn't matter. It's all about Ty Dillinger and Bobby Roode going forward. That's it. That is all. But just when you think that is all, it, it actually is not all. Uh, because today I had, I have had a wonderful day today, guys. I don't know what I've done to deserve this wonderful day. Not only do I come home and get... Ty Dillinger and Bobby Roode forming a tag team in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Tournament. But I spent the day with my boys, the Brandon Pollock, the Black Triple H Johnny Gale, over at the Top Turnbuckle Podcast, and we had a chance to speak with none other than the governor, the 38th governor of Minnesota, Jesse the Body Ventura, one of my favorite personalities of all time. We switched it up a little bit. We were talking about Jesse Ventura's Marijuana Manifesto. It's a book that's in stores now. It was released in September. You can get it in Chapters Indigo across Canada. I'm sure you can find it in the States as well. Just an absolutely amazing conversation with somebody that I've looked up to uh, my entire life, ever since I was six years old. Jesse the Body Ventura tag teaming with the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Macho Man being one of my favorite wrestlers uh, and I had a story that I shared with Jesse the Body Ventura and it involved me being the sports editor for my university paper and a, uh, a headline that I came up with uh, that didn't quite go over well with the editor for the school paper uh, and it was uh, just something that I, I felt like completed my life, the fact that I actually got a chance to share this with Jesse Ventura um, and if you guys are interested in hearing that story, I urge you to go over on iTunes Subscribe to the Top Turnbuckle Podcast if you haven't already. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And you can do the same thing with this podcast, 20-minute time limit. Give us a rating. Give us a review. It helps us out. 
helps us get recognized not only by you guys, the fans, the important ones, but it also helps us get recognized by the suits, by corporate, and hopefully going forward, we can continue this momentum going, continue this train going, and continue to get guests. Uh, because over on the Top Turnbuckle podcast, uh, you know what? The word is getting out uh, because we've had Jake the Snake Roberts, Bill Goldberg, Jesse the Body Ventura. I was very excited uh, to get a chance to sit down with Jesse. Uh, so everybody go check it out. So I've jumped the gun on this week's 20-minute time limit. Obviously, now, right now, I've got Samoa Joe hitting the ring, and it was supposed to be the revival against two other guys that I'm not quite sure who they were. I didn't quite catch the name, and Samoa Joe just came running in and decimated this team, and now he's got a a message for William Regal. He's clearly not happy that uh, Shinsuke Nakamura is running around with his title. Uh, So this has turned out to be a pretty, pretty good episode of NXT so far, but we've got 20 minutes to talk about the week in WWE, so that's what we're going to do. Let's get into Monday Night Raw. Um, Obviously, you guys have had a chance to check out my Clash of Champions review, and in that review, I talked about how going back to Backlash a couple weeks back, you know... When it first started out, I felt it felt like I was watching an episode of SmackDown on a Sunday night. And there, then there was like a moment, almost like a, the bubble burst or a light bulb went off. And there was a moment that happened. And I thought, no, no, no. Something special is about to go down. Something special is happening right now. And it all of a sudden switched. And I was like, oh, no, I'm watching Backlash. I'm watching a pay-per-view. I'm watching something special. But you know what? I can't say the same for Clash of Champions. It just felt like I was watching Monday Night Raw. And then fast forward to Monday, you know, less than 24 hours later, we're watching Raw and we're seeing Roman Reigns wrestle Rusev. We're seeing a rematch of that match. We're seeing a rematch of the New Day and the Bullet Club for the tag team titles. And, you know, and that opens Raw. And in my opinion, that's pretty cool, actually. A nice little swerve, you know. It's a nice way to switch it up so that we're not just having that opening segment with Mick Foley and Steph or Kevin Owens and they're just talking to open the show. It's actually kind of cool to have a wrestling match. But you know what? To have Reigns and Rusev open a show, New Day and Bullet Club to follow them less than 24 hours after they had just wrestled at at Clash of Champions, sorry, not Night of Champions, which all week last week I was making that mistake, Clash of Champions, Um, for me it just felt a little flat, and it definitely didn't help me get and stay engaged while watching Monday Night Raw, because I'm not going to lie to you guys, at one point I had Monday Night Raw streaming on my computer, and then on the TV I had the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, And I found myself paying more attention to that debate that's going down in a country that I cannot vote for the winner of. I have no vote. I have no say in who will win that election and run that country. Yet I still found it more entertaining than Monday Night Raw. And you know what? Was all of Monday Night Raw bad? No. No, not all of Monday Night Raw was bad. But there wasn't enough that was good that kept my interest this week. And it's been that way now for at least two, maybe even three weeks where there's been just a small chunk of Monday Night Raw that has really got me captivated. And even in that small chunk, 
And that small chunk I'm talking about is Universal Champion Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Triple H, who we haven't seen on WWE TV since he turned on Seth Rollins and helped Kevin Owens. I mean, now, there was an exclusive online where Stephanie McMahon leaving Clash of Champions got into the same limo as her husband, Triple H. And I really thought that that moment could have helped Clash of Champions, the pay-per-view. That could have been that one moment where I thought, oh, oh, we've got something here. Now there's a reason, reasons to go to Monday Night Raw now. And now I need to watch Monday Night Raw because I need to know, are we going to find out why Triple H made this decision? Now, you know, the last couple weeks on this podcast, on the Top Turnbuckle podcast, I've been critical of this. And I, I, I'm not a fan of how this is going But I can say this, I'm optimistic that the payoff for this is going to blow our minds. After all, it's Triple H, he's the game. I have faith. I I still have faith that, that, that he is doing the right thing here. But... You know, going back to the rest of Monday Night Raw, so we, we come, we're coming out of Clash of Champions and we have Cesaro and Sheamus destroy each other in a best of seven series. And the seventh match was absolutely epic. It was great. I mean, we saw Cesaro with a, a 619, albeit very, very, very slow. But we saw these two guys destroy each other and then now get put into. A tag team on Monday Night Raw. Now, you know what? I don't hate this idea, but it's still fairly confusing in terms of telling a story and continuing on a rivalry because, you know, I'm in favor of Cesaro and Sheamus going to, you know, overtime and having a, another match even and adding a stipulation. Maybe it's an Iron Man match, you know, and I talked about this on my review. Now, I did not see a tag team coming and I did not see the the title opportunity the championship match opportunity be for the tag team titles now that's where I give Mick Foley credit that was slick that was a nice little swerve now you can have this tag team and these guys can tag team it up all they want they can wrestle the new day I'm sure that that's going to go down at some point they do have that tag team opportunity that title match right and if you follow me on Twitter at 20 min time limit you might have seen uh, a back and forth between me and a couple of the guys that follow me on Twitter and that I converse with quite a bit where we were basically just naming teams of wrestlers that never got along or didn't get along at the time and were forced into a tag team so there's evidence of this happening and working before and I guess you can go back and you can, you can finish off this best of seven at some point. But the track record right now with Monday Night Raw and Mick Foley and Stephanie McMahon, it's, a lot of the times things don't get finished, in my opinion. Like f- certain feuds, certain rivalries, certain, certain things that happen don't have a finality, a conclusion to them. And so that is where, you know, my issues with Monday Night Raw lately have been. And the reason why I love SmackDown so much is SmackDown is telling compelling stories. And we always say, you know, the matches are great. You know, I, there is not one match that from that Clash of Champions card where I would say that wasn't a good wrestling match. There were great wrestling matches. And they happen all the time. And that's the one thing for me is I like 
characters. I like story. I like to watch Monday Night Raw for a story. There's a reason why I'm watching. I'm watching because Seth Rollins has been screwed over by his supposed friend and you know what kind of looked like a father figure in Triple H and he comes down to the ring and is immediately met by security I mean there was a part of me that was wishing that he had a Zamboni or a Coors Light beer truck you know at his disposal to get to Kevin Owens and it was frustrating to have him sort of cut off and so we don't even get the rest of that we don't even get to see what happens there and instead we get Enzo and Cass and they challenge Y2J and Kevin Owens, the two best friends that anybody could ever have, and the longest reigning Universal Champion, the guys that have it, are challenging Enzo and Cass in a tag match. And while there's history there, it's not greater than Seth Rollins and his hatred right now for Kevin Owens and the authority. That's the main story, and that's what I'm not getting from Monday Night Raw. You know, you can have a great match. A great wrestling match is a great wrestling match. But if you don't have the character behind it, and if you don't have the story behind it, it's just a great wrestling match. Now, before we switch over to SmackDown, uh, I just want to thank Liv Morgan for coming out and uh, attempting to wrestle Asuka. Uh, I love Asuka. She's amazing. I love that she just absolutely wrecks any chick. I should say any woman. That Dare gets in the ring with her. I mean, you know, this has got to be leading to Oscar versus Ember Moon. I mean, if she's just tearing through Liv Morgan, I mean, Billy Kay doesn't, you know, she doesn't strike me like the type that could beat Oscar. But if it's not Liv Morgan, and if there's no other secret woman that the that NXT has signed, I mean, I think it's got to be at some point. It's got to be Ember Moon. Uh, who looks impressive too. I mean, that uh, stunner, twisting stunner from the top rope is absolutely fantastic. But, so let's get over to SmackDown Live now. And I tell you what, man, I don't, I cannot, I'll be honest. You guys know me. I'm an honest guy. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll admit it. And you guys can call me out all you want. And I'm totally fine with it. But I will say this. Not in 2014, not in 2015, And surely not in 2016 would I have ever in my, ever in my wildest dreams be 100% invested in a Miz versus Dolph Ziggler match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Now, going back as far as 2014, definitely was I a Dolph Ziggler guy for sure. Was I a Miz guy? Definitely not. He had fallen off the face of the earth, in my opinion. And he's only just begun to have a resurgence, in my opinion. I mean, if you look back before WrestleMania, I mean, he definitely wasn't at the level that he is right now. And for me, it's been a slow decline for Dolph Ziggler. But I am 100% 100 Invested in this, knowing that it's Miz's Intercontinental Championship against Dolph Ziggler's career. And in no way do I think that Dolph Ziggler is walking out of no mercy with that Intercontinental Championship. I 100% expect him to retire at no mercy. 100%. And the way the Miz is acting right now, and with Maurice by his side, he is by far the best heel going 
and maybe even the most intriguing character in WWE. Now, I know there are good wrestlers. There are great wrestlers. But all around, and to get me completely focused and involved in his match, I mean, he is Kevin Owens-like right now. Like, Kevin Owens and The Miz, for my money, are the two best. And it probably makes sense that both of them are carrying gold. I know one one's gold is worth more than the other. But, I mean, The Miz... Doing what he's doing right now with that Intercontinental Championship. What SmackDown is doing right now with that roster. I mean, on paper, right now, somebody tell me. Tweet me, at 20 min time limit, and tell me, if you look at these two rosters on paper, that Raw does not have the sexier roster. Raw, on paper, has the sexier roster, and I think right now, SmackDown Live deserves a slammy. Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan... As much as I can't stand Daniel Bryan right now, these guys deserve a slammy for what they're doing with this SmackDown Live roster. And, I mean, we've still got guys like Kurt Hawkins coming. And who, who knows who else is going to get signed in the coming months. But it's a good time to be on Team Blue right now. I mean, they've got multiple women's feuds, which right now, raw. I mean, we're going to get Charlotte versus Sasha Banks again. And and once again, going to be an epic match, a great match. But we've seen it three times now, you know. And what can they possibly do? Can they pull off a Sheamus and a Cesaro? Which I should add, if I didn't already, is like League of Nations 2.0, right? I mean, that's League League of Nations light V2, Matt Hardy V2, right? But, you know... There's no secondary women's feud. You've got two, maybe even three. You could make a case maybe for three women's feuds on SmackDown. And I want to get to Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt uh, to close out this podcast before I get to a a snippet of my interview with Jesse the Body Ventura, the governor, 38th governor of Minnesota, if I didn't say that already. Um, But you're looking at Bray Wyatt and what's been my major criticism for Bray Wyatt. The guy can't win matches or should I say the guy can't win a feud you can put him in a feud and I think that that's the thing that you've got going with the guys he's he can cut a promo and he can you know add something to a feud you know adding that sort of creepy feel to the undertaker to Kane to anybody he gets in the ring with whether it's Cena whoever you want to put in the ring with Bray Wyatt, there is a draw. So I can see why he still gets these matches. But he can't win a feud. And now, or he hasn't won a feud. I mean, I think the only one so far has been Dean Ambrose. And cor- correct me if I'm wrong, Twitterverse. But, you know, now you're looking at SmackDown. And he can't even win cutting promos. He can't even win that battle, and that was his go-to. Randy Orton destroyed him on SmackDown Live, in my opinion. 
playing mind games with Bray Wyatt, that's his ultimate thing. And showing up behind him in Eric Rowan's sheet mask was absolutely fantastic. And I even like the backstage stuff before that, where there was it looked like it was written in blood, messages to Randy Orton. And we just don't get that anymore. You know, we don't get that backstage stuff. I mean, yeah, we got the Wyatt compound and New Day going to the Wyatt compound, but that wasn't even as good as the final deletion between Matt and Jeff Hardy. You know, but this was good. I like this, this backstage sort of thing that we're seeing with Bray and Randy Orton. But that said, I'm still not drinking the blue Kool-Aid from Bray Wyatt. I'm still not back. I'm not on this bandwagon. I'm not back on the Bray Wyatt train. Uh, This guy has got to start winning, put together some wins, win some feuds, prove to me that, you know what, if you ever did get a title match, got into some sort of main event match, whether it's the Rumble, whether it's even WrestleMania, that there is a hope in hell (laughs) that you will win that match. And then I'm, I'm back on board. But until that happens... Man, no, I'm just, I'm pushing away that cup of blue Kool-Aid, that baby blue or that berry blue or whatever the heck, whatever flavor it is, I'm pushing it away. So thank you guys again for listening to this week's episode of the 20 Minute Time Limit Podcast. As I said, I had a sit down with Jesse the Body Ventura. You can listen to the full interview at Top Turnbuckle. You can find it on Twitter, and please, if you get the got the time, just give us a quick rating, a quick review, some kind words if you want. But as promised, I'm going to end this week's podcast uh, with uh, a few snippets from my interview with the former governor of the state of Minnesota and former WWE commentator, Jesse the Body Ventura. His book, Jesse Ventura's Marijuana Manifesto, you can pick it up now in bookstores across Canada the United States. Check it out. This is Jesse Ventura. Uh, up here in Canada, I've had a chance to meet uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, uh, and I can confirm he is uh, as handsome in person as he is in pictures. Um, but he <laughs> he wants to make a change to the laws in uh, of surrounding marijuana in Canada, and it's to protect um, the youth, uh, the people who are in possession of small amounts of marijuana and keep, the, you know, to not have them have a criminal record and to take the the revenue away from organized crime. What are your thoughts on uh, on Justin Trudeau? I think it's wonderful, but he shouldn't stop there. Legalize it completely. It was legal in the United States for 160 years. This plant has so many uses that will help the economy. You, as you know, in Canada, you can make paper out of it. You can make clothing out of it. It has drug uses. It stops seizures. They've already proved it helps post-traumatic stress when, when soldiers come home from the war. It's now proven it will help the head injuries of the NFL, the concussion issue. Well, the Canadian League's the same thing. I'm sure they got plenty of head injuries up there, too. It's, it's been uh, quite an experience uh, to finally uh, talk with somebody that I've looked up to ever since I was a six-year-old kid uh, and, and to introduce you as governor. Uh, but it would be a lot cooler, I'm, I'm going to say, to have been able to introduce you as president. Uh, will you, have you, <laughs> would you ever consider running? And, and if you have, why, why not? Why are you not running I, I, right now? I did. The Libertarians contacted me twice to come to their convention. I knew Governor Johnson wanted it bad. I didn't want to split them. And, and personally, 
I couldn't go into doing the job 100% in my, right now in my life the way I feel. And if you're not in 100%, you don't belong. 